He said he's been to Jones Beach. He thought Jones Beach was very peaceful. I mean, you don't want that all the time for Matt Barzell. You want him to dance out there. Islanders went far in the playoffs last year, and I think they're a team built for the playoffs. This is hockey. This is the way I want to see it. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 64 of Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. A big show, big episode here as the puck will drop on the NHL season Wednesday, January 13th. The Islanders get underway the following day, Thursday, coming up against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Also another game against the Rangers on Saturday at the Garden before opening their home schedule at Nassau Coliseum on Monday against the Bruins as the NHL goes to their realigned divisions, uh, keeping things geographically tight to limit travel and to hopefully get through a 56-game regular season uh, truncated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. Please find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And on the episode today, we'll talk to NHL Network's Mike Rupp, at one point an Islanders draft pick who uh, never played in the organization, but certainly had a fine NHL career uh, with stops uh, amongst other places with the Devils, the Rangers, the Penguins, and the Minnesota Wild. Um, we'll talk to Mike Rupp to get his thoughts on what he sees from the Islanders and how he thinks they're going to do this season. And after that, we'll talk to our friend Colin Stevenson, Newsday's fine Rangers writer, as the Islanders and Rangers start off the season with two games and three nights and the first of eight games that the divisional rivals and New York rivals are going to play against each other. So uh, hopefully you will enjoy those chats with Mike Rupp and Colin Stevenson. Um, but first, uh, let me just take you through some Islanders news. First off, Casey Sezikis, who uh, appeared to hurt his left hand or left wrist or left lower arm uh, at scrimmage on Sunday was on the ice Tuesday. The team was off Monday, but but Sezikis was on the ice on Tuesday, and Coach Barry Trot said Casey appears good to go for Thursday's opener. So that's kind of a uh, you know sigh of relief for the Islanders, and we'll get into their depth and uh, how many injuries they'll be able to withstand because certainly that impacted them last season uh, with, with a couple injuries to Casey Sezikis. So good news that Casey Sezikis will be on the ice on Thursday. Um, as I mentioned, the Islanders, after playing the Rangers for two for two games, Thursday and Saturday, they'll be at the Coliseum uh, on Monday against the Bruins. Now, obviously, there will be no fans at the Coliseum. Um, and I, from what I've been told... Uh, season ticket holders, and you know, you certainly can bear this out. I, I've been told that uh, not to expect fans at the Coliseum during the regular season, um, and, and that sort of supports what NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman spoke about on a Monday uh, Zoom teleconference, where he said there would be no fans in the majority of the NHL arenas for this season, and Bettman 
when asked what kind of financial shortfall in terms of revenue uh, the league was looking at this season, said they are in the quote-unquote B range. They're out of the M range, meaning that the NHL is looking at, uh, you know, revenue losses of at least $1 billion and likely more than that. Now, obviously, there are you know, some some factors in place where the players will be given back some money and try and stick to that 50-50 split of hockey-related revenue. So the owners will be making a little bit of money back. But for the most part, there's, there's a financial impact across the league. Um, but, but Bettman said, you know, all the owners knew that, and, you know, I don't know how unanimous this is, but he said everyone has signed on um, to, 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 to weather this because it is important for the game to, to go forward. Now, I think it's, it's important for the NHL to maintain its television contract, certainly looking for a bigger television deal, um, but, you know, uh, not to be... cynical, there is some value in playing this season. And and Batman said, you know, uh, the best case scenario is getting through this season, having, being able to complete it through four rounds of playoffs, crowning a Stanley Cup champion, probably the first week of July, and then having a normal 21-22 season. And hopefully by then, a vast majority of the people, if you're talking about October, November, hopefully by then, uh, people who want to get the vaccination will have gotten it. Uh, crowds will be allowed to uh, to happen again. Uh, to, to what extent? I don't know whether it's 100% capacity when the Islanders move into UBS Arena. All that stuff uh, is to be determined. But Bettman was saying that he hopes the 21-22 season is played under the most normal conditions possible. And, you know, that's basically all we can hope for, right? Uh, the, the first and foremost priority, you know, not just for the NHL, but this goes uh, for everyone, um, is health and safety and, and trying to weather the pandemic and, and turn the tide and, you know, Hopefully the vaccine will will get the numbers lower and, and be effective. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that the NHL season will proceed as planned and, and, and every team will be able to play 56 games that are on the schedule and they will get safely through four rounds of the playoffs and they will crown their Stanley Cup champion. You know, I wish I could tell you with certainty that that's what's going to happen. Gary Bettman spoke about the fact that, you know, teams are aware uh, and, and expecting and prepared for, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, hiccups along the way. You know, you we've already seen the Dallas Stars probably missing at least their first three games needing to be rescheduled as there was a COVID-19 outbreak uh, amongst players and staff there. Obviously, the San Jose Sharks uh, not allowed to practice or play in Santa Clara County, California. So they are training right now in Arizona. It remains to be seen whether the Sharks are going to be able to play in San Jose. Um, league officials and county officials uh, are meeting this week to sort of hammer out protocol and to see, 
what the prospects are there. The, the, the Sharks do not have a designated home game until February 1st, so a little bit of time remains there. But this is going to be a very fluid NHL season. Uh, teams, the league, are going to have to adjust on the fly as circumstances arise. And I think, you know, you talk to anyone on any team, I, I believe every team in the NHL, all 31 teams, uh, expect at some point this season there to be a COVID impact on them, whether indirectly because another team, uh, you know, cannot play a game and, and the schedule needs to be rescheduled or, or because there there's a, a positive test or two amongst their own players. So, you know, that's why the taxi squad is important at the expanded roster. Um, you, you hear some teams are not allowing their goalies uh, to meet in the same room. They're separating their goalies. I, I don't have information. I, I forgot to ask Barry Trotz. I'll, I'll be honest. Forgot to ask Barry uh, today whether or not the Islanders are doing that. Um, it seems prudent. I know Nashville uh, Nashville coach John Hines came out today and said that the goalies were being kept separate. One other team had said that as well. Um, you know, and, and the thought is you don't want to have a situation like you've had in an NFL where a whole position group, uh, you know, whether it be it through contact tracing and abundance of caution or actual positives, you lose a whole position group. You know, we remember the Denver Broncos actually having to play an NFL game with, without any of their the, the quarterbacks they had on the roster. So, you know, at some point, every team will likely be impacted one way or another. There is wiggle room within the schedule to switch games around and, and try and get through the 56 games. But, you know, as Bettman has said, and as you've heard Barry Trotz say, this is really going to be a work in progress. And, you know, each situation is going to have to be dealt with as it comes up. And as it relates to the Islanders, as uh, we do a season preview episode here, you know, the Islanders obviously are going to look a lot like the team that made it to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 93, losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning in in six games, five of them which you would consider very, very close. Game one, obviously, um, uh, a different story. But the Islanders are going to look the same. You know, obviously Johnny Boychuk, uh, not around, de facto retired. He'll be on long-term injured reserve after that uh, horrific eye injury he suffered from escape blade last season. Um, doesn't make it make it safe for Johnny to be on the ice, so uh, he cannot play. Uh, Devontae's traded to the Colorado Avalanche, who are, who are certainly NHL Stanley Cup favorites, it seems like, at this point. Um, Taze with the Avs, uh, for, because uh, Lou Lamarillo needed to move salary there. Um, Thomas Grice moves on to the Detroit Red Wings um, via free agency, and that frees up Ilya Sorokin to, uh, to, to join Semyon Varlamov in a goalie tandem this season. And uh, the Islanders and Islander fans have been waiting for 
for for five seasons as he you know had a spectacular career in the KHL for uh for the 2014 draft pick to finally join the organization um Noah Dobson will have a bigger role uh with uh Taze and Boychuk not there he'll team with with Andy Green the Wiley veteran the two of them played very well down the stretch together and uh Noah Dobson certainly probably has the the greatest expanded role out of anyone on the on the Islanders at this point. He'll be on the first power play unit. He'll be in the regular rotation amongst the top six, getting uh, you know steady minutes. And uh, we'll see if the way the Islanders coaching staff brought him along slowly pays big dividends this season. And I mentioned Ilya Sorokin. Um. He he did speak to the media on on Tuesday. It's the first time since he's joined the team uh, for the playoff bubbles. Uh, first in Toronto, then in Edmonton. He practiced with the team through those six weeks, um, but did not was ineligible to play. And um, thus far, the through the first week of training camp, he had not been made available to speak. But on on Tuesday, Ilya Sorokin, with, with the help of a translator, um, did meet with the media via Zoom. And uh, you know what? You couldn't help but be impressed with him. Uh, he tried his best to speak as much in English to to understand the questions in English um, as he could. I think. When he understood the questions and he was able to articulate his thoughts in English, you could see that he's a very thoughtful guy with a, with a sense of humor, um, you know, big smile. He, he ended it uh, with saying, trying to talk in English is hard. Being on the ice is easy. He was laughing as he said that. Um, he, he mentioned Islander fans, you know, uh, he, he said growing up his idol, he idolized Evgeny Nabokov. Um and uh, he made, you know, reference, he was talking about that, yes, he's gotten to know Long Island uh, since he's been over here, um, walking around. He said he's been to Jones Beach. He thought Jones Beach was very peaceful. He loves being around the ocean. Someone asked him about, uh, uh, or he brought up going into Manhattan, and he said he did not like Manhattan because it was not peaceful. Too many people there. So uh, he is uh, he he likes the life on Long Island, um, which is good because you want him to be happy here, right? Um, you know, he uh, he talked about working very hard and working with the uh, director of goaltending Mitch Corn and goalie coach Piero Greco. And he said, "I asked him, you know, why now? Why why is this the time to?" finally come over to North America and he said you know he did have an option to say stay with Cisco Moscow in the uh, in the KHL for another season but this is his dream it, 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 he said it's every player's dream to play in the NHL it's the best league in the world he wanted the challenge he wanted to come over here um and this is when his contract was up and and he you know took the opportunity to come here um you know he's he's working hard on the english <laughs> he said he's he's really been studying and trying to talk it for about 4 months now and uh you know it's a it's a work in progress as they say um 
Barry Trotz was, you know, asked about how this goalie rotation was going to go. And, you know, uh, Barry has named Semyon Varlamov the starter for the season opener. And, and Varley, of course, has earned it uh, by being the playoff goalie, the veteran with experience. Trotz was a little less specific as to when Ilya Sorokin might get in. Uh, Barry was talking about how this season less travel, so that might allow one goalie to play more, uh, even with the back-to-backs. He said it's really the travel and the late nights and the early mornings on the planes that really take it out of you, and, and for the most part, that's going to be eliminated this season, particularly in the East Division. Uh, where, you know, the Islanders' longest flight all season is going to be an hour to Buffalo and an hour to D.C. and and an hour to Pittsburgh. Uh, and those are really just little hops when it comes to the NHL. You know, where uh, teams in the other divisions, even though, you know, they're trying to keep things geographically tight, you have all seven Canadian teams, so Vancouver is going to be flying to Montreal, um, even, you know, in the central and, and, and the other divisions, you're going to have teams that are much further spread out where they're going to be flying, you know, they're going to be on a plane for, for three hours potentially. And that's just not going to be the case for the Islanders. I think that's a huge, uh, 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 benefit to all the teams in the East division, which as you'll hear me talk about with Mike Rupp and Colin Stevenson coming up momentarily, um, it, it it is going to be, I think, the the toughest division out of the four in the NHL. Um, just a couple other roster notes before we get to Mike Rupp. Uh, it, it certainly seems, and I, I put this up on Twitter off of Sunday scrimmage. I've been really impressed with the training camp that Samuel Bolduc, the uh, the twenty year old defenseman who has not played at a higher level than juniors yet. Um, I think Bulldog has had a spectacular, maybe spectacular strong, but I think he's had a very impressive training camp. Barry Trotz uh, agreed with me when I asked him about it on Sunday, and he's apparently agreed with me because Bulldog right now um, appears to be one of the top eight defensemen, or certainly amongst the, the top nine, because I think you have Thomas Hickey and Bulldog and Sebastian Ajo is kind of the three extras after the uh, top six. So remains to be seen whether that means Bulldog goes on the uh, on the taxi squad or, or does wind up in the AHL. But uh, Bulldog certainly turning heads uh, in training camp. Another defenseman I, I've really liked is uh, Bodie Wild, uh, second-round pick from uh, 2018. Um think he's a fantastic skater. Really do. Um, Bulldog's attributes are, to me, uh, his size, first of all, especially in front of the crease. His calmness and poise with the puck, he always seems to know where he wants to go with it. His physical play, and uh, I, I think he's been very smooth in both the defensive and neutral zones, helping the transition. Uh, you know, stopping the offense and then and then getting it going the other way. Bodie Wild, his uh, his skating is noticeable, and Barry Trotz kind of likened him to a John Carlson type, which is which is high praise indeed. And as far as the other prospects who appear to have really, uh, you know 
earn the, uh, the, the coaching staff's trust through this training camp, uh, Kiefer Bellows, um, he may, you know, he's, he's certainly in the mix for a spot, uh, on, in the opening night lineup, uh, Kiefer Bellows. And you would think he would be on a line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot if he is in the lineup. So, uh, Bullduck, Bellows, and Bodie, the three Bs there, um, really, uh, uh, the, the prospects who probably had the best training camp. But uh, uh, we'll see how it all breaks. Again, the Islanders opening on Thursday night at the Garden against the Rangers. And to delve more into uh, how this season might go for the Islanders, we bring on NHL Network's Mike Rupp. And I'm thrilled to be joined now by uh, the man who scored the cup-winning goal for Lou Lamorello's Devils in 2003, a guy covered with the Rangers, Mike Rupp. Rupper, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for joining me today. All right, no problem, Andrew. Anytime. Glad to catch up with you and talk some hockey. Yeah, well, um, let me start. Uh, you you obviously have a long relationship with Lou Lamarillo. Um, can you speak to, you know, what you've seen and how he's built the Islanders and, and where you think he might have them poised at this point. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lou has done a, a very good job because uh, I, I think when Lou Lamarillo is at his best, you can look at, or <laughs> this is, this is a, a compliment. So bear with me. Um, when you look at a roster and you think, Oh, that, that roster, they're okay. They're not too dangerous, but, but they, you know, they are very dangerous. Uh, the style that they play, their identity, those are all things that he does very well. And he's, he did it for, for years. And I was a product of that with New, New Jersey Devils with not necessarily having, I mean, we obviously had star power. They had star power prior to me with, you know, Niedermeyer and Stevens and Berdour and, and all that stuff. But it was never really a, a star-driven lineup a, a lot of years. Um, they just played a certain way and had trust in their guys. So he's done a great job of cultivating that on the Island. And Barry Trotz has been a great compliment to that and driving force in that um, for that matter. So I, I think that that's the biggest thing is when you look at that roster, even going into this season, you could say, yeah, I mean, that's a good team. I like them. They got a lot of pieces. They got Barzell signed now. And uh, I think it's a lot more than just a good team though. So uh, I would not be shocked. Uh, I don't know if I'm picking them, but I would not be shocked if they can win that East division. I've talked about this a lot. That might be the toughest of the four divisions, you know, to get through with, with some of the talent and, uh, and not just talent, but the, the teams there and, and how they play yeah. the Bruins, the Caps, uh, the Penguins, the Rangers are up and coming. And, you know, even the, the Sabres getting Taylor Hall, uh, you know, what what makes you think that the Islanders could could potentially come out on top in that division? Because there's a lot of unknown with some of the other teams. <clears throat> what is Pittsburgh going to look like? Um, you know, I think we can always consider Pittsburgh to be a contender because of the big guys they have there. Um, but we don't know. I mean, a lot of these teams are there's there's a lot of ups and downs. Um, it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride from season to season of what expectations are, but. The Islanders are pretty steady. Their their highs might not be as high as a lot of those teams in the division, but they certainly don't have the lows that the other teams have. So that's huge, and especially in a 56-game season. Um, I think that East Division will not have a Presence Trophy winner or somebody in contention for the Presence Trophy. I don't know if 
I agree with you. I think it's the, the toughest division in, in the league. You know, there's no easy games. Um, the easy games would have been the Buffalo Sabres, which I, I don't think is going to be an easy game. The New Jersey Devils, I think, will surprise some teams as well. Um, you know, and, and I just think that, you know, there's not going to be a President's Trophy coming out of that division because they're just going to be stealing points every single night from one another. So I don't know if we're really going to know how good all these teams are, which is kind of an obvious statement until the playoffs because th that division is just – there's too much wealth spread around. I mean, there's so many good teams. I think if you're looking at that division, the only team I can – I feel like I can guarantee will make the playoffs in that division, probably the Washington Capitals. And that doesn't mean – I already said you, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders win that division – but I also wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs because that's how tight it is. So, I mean, when you talk about four teams making it and, and because of the new alignment, only four teams are allowed, it makes it – there's some sticky areas in there. And, you you know, again, there's a lot of ups and downs with some of the teams, but I think in a 56-game season, I can tell you right now, I can close my eyes and tell you what that Islanders game is going to look like. They know what it's going to look like, and they're going to be tough. They're going to be tough to play against – and they're going to win hockey games. So that, that to me, is going to go a long way. They don't need a lot of runway to kind of get up to speed. I think that their structure and the way they play and everybody knows their role. Um, they've got some nice – they've got a nice diverse lineup. It's going to win them hockey games early on. I, I'm sure this is something that you've heard a lot from Lou, but he's been asked ad infinitum really over the course of his run here with the Islanders about adding scoring to the lineup, you know, maybe on the wing. And his his hat response is he doesn't worry about the goals. He just worries about winning. You know, meaning if if you're going to win 2-1, that's still as good as a, you know, a 5-2 win. When you look at the Islanders roster, is there one spot where you say, you know, they could get better here, you know, to have a much better chance uh, of advancing further? Ooh, um... I mean, yeah, I mean, any, any team, if you can add a, an elite score, someone to take some pressure off of guys, that's always going to be good. Um, but it's hard to say that with that team because I don't think you could just have anybody. I mean, if you took – let's use an example. If you take the best score in our game, say Alex Ovechkin, you throw him with the New York Islanders in, in the New York Islanders uniform, that <laughs> – I don't know how that'll translate. You know, right. I really don't because you have to play, you have to play a certain way. That's why I think that they've done such an incredible job with Matthew Barzell and it's still a work in progress. Um, we haven't seen the ceiling on this guy because he's been asked to do some things that probably are out of his wheelhouse. So it, it's easy to say, Hey, go get a, go get a, a star winger in there. Um, I mean, look at some of the guys that, that have come through. I mean, there's a different, different times. I mean, you can argue, Broussard, the way that Broussard played on the return to play and and some of you know he struggled in those last few places I mean everybody thought in Pittsburgh when the Penguins went and got Derek Broussard that that was going to put them over the over the hump and they were going to get back to winning back-to-back cups it didn't work out um he went and bounced around a couple places but he finds a home there Jordan Everly you know there's question marks on his career he goes there and he's he's fit in nicely and it's about finding the right fit and the Islanders are the best at finding that so I do know from conversations that that uh, you know, and Lou doesn't let many things out there. He 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 has been and always is out there on the prowl. You know, he's under the radar. You know, turning over every stone he can, looking for proper deals. Um, I think the fact that we haven't really seen a big deal means 
he hasn't gotten the proper deal for this team. And in the meantime, it's about using what you have. And, and this organization has done a good job with that. You, you mentioned the, the high ceiling on Matt Barzell, and he's only 23. And even, you know, when he's done with this contract, he just signed three years, 21 million. He's, he's still going to be a restricted free agent, albeit with arbitration rights. You talked about his high ceiling. What, what's the next step for a Matthew Barzell working, you know, given that he has to work within the system that, that Lou and Barry Trotz are, are playing here with the Islanders? I think the biggest thing with Matt Barzell, and I think the world of him as a player, and, and it's got to be tough too because, you know, it's almost like it's almost like a, a football analogy. If, you know, a lot of times you see quarterbacks in college football that are guys that make things happen with their legs and they get outside the pocket. And then all of a sudden if they get to an NFL team and they're like, hey, hold on, you got you to play within the pocket here. And, and you've got to develop that side of your game. And it takes some time. And the numbers might not be there per se, but, um, you know, I, I think the thing with Matt Barzell is, is, is game management. Um, a perfect example of that, I think it was in there, um, pretty positive, it was in their elimination game. In the return to play, I think there was a double minor against the Islanders, and Matt Barzell just sometimes trying to change a game on one play. And I think that that's the biggest thing for him and his – he's so talented and so good – he pulls off so many highlight reel goals and assists and plays that I think it almost becomes as a viewer, you tune in to watch what Matthew Barzell is going to do next. I think that that's in Matthew Barzell's head too, that he wants to do those plays. He's capable of doing those plays. Not many guys are, but there's times where you just need to manage a game. And sometimes that's dumbing down certain areas of your game. And you don't want that all the time for Matt Barzell. You want him to dance out there. But there's time and game management, and on that particular play, um, as far as zone entries on the power play, and when this team needed a goal, it was just a little bit too much of trying to be a, a hero. And um, I, I like the ambition in that, but he's got to learn to, you know, make the easy play. You know, a lot of times I think the biggest thing for me with Matt Barzell is on the power play. You'll see him enter the zone, turn up on the wall does the self-pass off the board, spinorama, this and that, and then he just dishes the puck back to the point man. Well, that pass was available as a normal pass as soon as he came in the zone. So it's about you know, almost uh, picking his spots a little bit better. Um, I think that's something that will feed into the Islanders' success more, and it'll help him even more. And uh, I love his game. I'm not saying this in any kind of a negative way. It's, it's He's being asked to do things that a lot of players aren't. You know, a lot of players will go to a bad team and – they're used to dancing and, and finesse and um, highlight real goals and, and assists. And they're just said, well, yeah, just go do that. Well, this team wants to win and they're poised to win now. And so he's being asked to do some things that not many players can accept. And, and I thought he's done a really good job of accepting that, but it's, there's still, you know, it's still a work in progress. You know, I asked AJ Molesco this uh, on my last uh, podcast episode, the Islanders are obviously, bringing in Russian goalie Ilya Sorokin and he comes with you know a lot of hype and you know the organization has been waiting for five years to bring him in but w when you were a player what, what did you look for when, when a new goalie came in in terms of you know him earning your trust as a goalie you know as, as a teammate as, as a player what were you looking for in the goalie um, just, I think it's more of a demeanor, 
and, and watching how goalies handle themselves. Um, you know, I, you, you want to see a very even keel. I've never seen Marty Berdour slam a stick. You know, I never seen Marty drop an F bomb. I never seen him yell after a goal. Um, you know, I'm obviously going to an extreme here comparing anybody to Marty, but uh, I think those are things that you just want to be confident in front of that goal center. I mean, every goalie is going to let in weak goals. Every goalie is going to have an off night. How does he manage that? Does he manage it in a way where I don't feel in front of him like, holy crap, I have to change my game to help him out um, because we all have jobs to do. And it, it, as long as I feel confident in this guy's ability to do his job, then I'm fine. I mean, uh, you know, with the hype of it, to be honest, you don't really pay too much attention to it as far I mean, they got Semyon Barlamov still. I mean, I'm not sitting there. If I'm on the... If I'm on the roster, I want to see what this Sorokin kid's all about. But listen, if Semyon's in net every night, I'm totally cool with that as well. So, um, you know, I, I think with this team and the way they play, it's going to help both goaltenders, and it has over the last number of years. I'm not trying to discredit what some of the goalies have done there, but there's a reason why all the goalies have had success there, from Robin Leonard to, you know, you're, you're talking about guys who – and Thomas Grice and, and, and guys who play in front of, they know where these shots are coming from. So I think that's going to help this kid out a lot. And uh, I guess the long-winded answer uh, to summarize it would just be, I'm not too concerned. Whatever goalie's in there, you know that he's going to be in there if he's doing his job. Um, one of the places where the Islanders may have taken a little bit of a hit in terms of depth, um, and, and you mentioned Derek Broussard, and he goes to the Arizona Coyotes, but defensively, you know, Lou is forced to trade Devontae's for cap reasons. And then Johnny Boychuk cannot continue his career because of that eye injury he suffered with, with the skate blade. You know, Rupper, you were you were one of these guys like like Johnny was in the room, you know, just one of these guys that kind of everyone looked to and, you know, kept things loose and and all that. Is that can can that kind of intangible be replaced easily? you know, the, the stuff that Johnny Boychuk brings to a team? Um, I don't know if, if it's, if it could be done easily, but it's, um, it's something that has to be figured out on a roster and you have to have guys, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is at times, you know, you live in this, we always say bubble with um, COVID now, but I mean a bubble as far as when you're playing in hockey, in a hockey season, and especially in the playoffs, there's times during the year where the world doesn't exist. Um, there's times where, you know, you're not, you know, you, you're almost, uh, you're almost not speaking to people outside of your, of the hockey realm for stretches. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you become so consumed every day about playing the game, getting ready for the game, getting ready for the next opponent, managing your body, trying to make yourself better that sometimes these little hiccups along the road, which every season has seem a lot bigger than what they, what they actually are. And you need guys in that room to lighten it up, you know, and sometimes that's in um, some, some humor that's, you know, you, oh, geez, we've had guys before where you'll go on the road and maybe before the game, it's like, you know, I remember times where say you're playing with the Rangers or, or whomever, and you're in Calgary and you're just getting ready before the game starts. And um, it's just, it's just quiet. It's, it's abnormally quiet. And, and you know, the energy level is not there. Maybe it's the second game or third game on a long road trip. And, you know, you have guys that'll just say, you know, just pipe up in that room be like, well, guys, you know what? I mean, we did fly all the way out here. We put in all, we're putting on all of our gear. We should probably go out and, and see, you know, 
we should probably go out and just play this game, play it hard, you know, and just kind of make little sarcastic comments to get everybody just, you know, lighten up. We're going to play a game of hockey. We're not, this isn't brain surgery. Um, I think that's really important. I think Johnny Boychuk brought that. I think there's guys on that roster that could bring it. I mean, you can't over, overlook the acquisition of an Andy Green as well. This guy yeah. was a captain in this league. Um, I played with Greener. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's probably evolved a lot from when I played with him because he was a little bit younger when I played with him. But, you know, he can lead. And now that he's been on this roster and been through it, now he can step up and kind of find his voice in that room. So, yeah, it's huge having guys like that because over the course of the season, when you lose four in a row, it feels like your world in this bubble is is closing in on you. And you got to realize, uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of other things in this world that mean a lot more than hockey. So it gives you a little bit more of a freedom to get out of it. You mentioned Andy and, uh, you know, obviously the leadership, you're right. The leadership he brings is just going to be amplified this season now that he's a little more comfortable uh, within the group. But uh, what can his veteran presence do for a guy like Noah Dobson? The two of them are going to be paired together as they were towards the end of last season. And also, based on what you saw of Noah last season, you know, how good do you think this kid can, can really become? Yeah, I think it's really intriguing because you have kind of um, guys at the other end of the spectrum. And I mean that in a way where I was, you know, played with Andy Green for a long time. And a lot of the time early in his career, he was a defenseman that was in and out of the lineup. Um, I would probably put Andy Green up there with. He's a very interesting player because size is not on his size uh, side never has been speed is not on his side um doesn't have him <laughs> these I'll, I'll bring her back around how much i love andy green he's got a he doesn't have a good shot you know he's <laughs> no. he's not he's not gonna come and you know remove you from the puck and take the puck away but he's one of the most difficult defensemen i ever practiced against and he has the smarts he knows he's in his career has made the i would probably say he's got to be in my if i had to make a top five list of guys who made the most out of i don't want to say nothing andy green does a lot of really good things but he does a lot of good things he doesn't do anything great and he is a leader he's a huge piece his sacrifice that he makes in blocking shots i mean he's one of the best at it um i think that's going to be great for for noah dobson because here's a kid that comes in with those tools that Andy didn't have. But Andy has become such a great leader and defenseman in this league for so long and has stretched his career out so long that if Noah Dobson can grab a hold of any of that, oh my gosh, what is he going to do with it? Because he's got a different level of talent. He has some of those attributes that Andy didn't have. Yeah, and, and I I know you love Greener because you're an Ohio guy and he's a Michigan guy, and you're you're still talking <laughs> about him like that. <laughs> yeah, we try to forget that he went to what he went to Miami University though, right? So he okay, kind of, yeah, yeah, no, that's I, fair I, I kind of I consider him an Ohio guy now. <laughs> um, hey, I just want to wrap up with when you look at the forwards, uh, you know, I, I wrote about Anthony Beauvillier uh, the other day as a guy that you know he wants to take his game to the next level. Is there, is there anyone uh, amongst that group that you really think, you know, can, can do something like that where, you know, they're at a certain level or they, they have been, and they can take that step up, you know, towards being more of an elite player on the, within the group. 
I you it's funny you mentioned his name because on that return to play, I mean, we we saw him how great he was. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, and, and I don't know, this is the things that are going to my head, like that team, the way Beauvillier was playing was it was it was uncanny. It was it was it was unbelievable what he brought. To me, he showed he's a complete gamer. And and really to go back to the beginning of the conversation, that's what Lou wants. Lou wants gamers. And um, you know, I, I date back to this is all rumors of what I heard, but back when Lou was in Toronto and they had their tough years there. And I want to say that was before I think it was before Austin. So they started doing like, you know, every team does year end. All right. Who's the, who's the guys that, you know, they need to make changes here. From my understandings, there had, there was, everybody was on the market. Everybody was available for a trade talk, except for one player, Nazem Kadri. Hmm. And the idea was that's Lou's guy. Lou knows that he could depend on Nas Kadri to do whatever, to be hard to play against, to be a thorn in the other team's side, to come through offensively, defensively, he was an absolute gamer. And he didn't get traded. He didn't get touched. He's a piece. Did things work out in Toronto for him? No. Lou ends up moving on with the Islanders. and you know Nas Kadri ends up getting traded later on to the Colorado Avalanche. But the, the point being is when you have those types of players and the more that you have like that, you know you're in, the, you're in a good spot. I think Beauvillier stepped up in a way that, you know, Anders Lee, Anders Lee, you know what he is. You know what he's going to bring. Uh, so if, if, if Beauvillier can do a little bit of that and continue where he left off, that's going to be huge for this team. The other player that I thought is all-world, and I think the best pure goal scorer on that team is Brock Nelson. And if Brock Nelson can keep elevating his game and understanding that he's, he's that big, that he can he – can, dictate a lot of things in the game, especially, especially in the modern game. Uh, those are two players that they can just crank it up even more. This team is going to be really lethal. Yeah. And we're not even touching on, uh, you know, having Jean-Gabriel Pajot for full right. season. You know, he's such a Swiss army knife, you know, Barry can put him into any situation, you know, special teams, PP, PK, he's on the ice the last minute of the game. He's not, he's, you know, I guess he's listed as 5'10", but he's not afraid of anyone. You know, you mm-hmm. saw him with 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 uh, Boiler during the playoffs and everything. So it, what, just real quickly, what, what did you think Peugeot added to the group when he came over, and would you see him out of him in the postseason? Um, he was as advertised. I mean, there's a reason why Lou paid a premium to get him. And Lou is the best at, at locating those needs and those intangibles. And he brings all of those. So, um, you know, the biggest thing I find that, you know, I don't want to keep going back to that, but when you have a player on certain teams, it looks, let's say, for example, I go back to Derek Broussard again, Derek Broussard was in Ottawa and he was playing a lot of minutes and Andrew, you know, brass from when he was with the Rangers and, um, and, and let's let's go back to this too. Everybody's talking about Mika Zibanejad now. When that trade went down in the hockey realms, now it looks like a lopsided trade. When it went down, that was a very good trade for both yeah. teams. I mean, Derek Broussard was at a point in his career where, like, he he's big game brass for a reason. So he goes out he's playing big bigger minutes. Um, so he looks in theory to be the missing piece in Pittsburgh to be like a third line center. 
he comes to Pittsburgh. Now he's playing third-line center minutes. He's not getting all those touches. He's not on that first power play unit. You can't just say, oh, well, what happened to Brass? Well, he's being used differently. So Pajot is a, an example as well. He's put in all situations, yes. But he wasn't. he's not put in all situations to the extreme he was in, in Ottawa. So mm-hmm. that speaks to me like this guy still came through. That's tough. That's tough to get different looks and still be the same player. And he's done a great job with the Islanders. And I think he'll get more and more opportunity. Um, you know, I, what it ends up coming down to for me, what it ends up coming down to um, for me is, is what is your – got to be tough to play against. That could look like a million different things. When you go across that Islanders group, They've got guys that are tough to play against. I mean, you can go to – I'd like to see Brock get a little more difficult to play against, but if you look up front, you've got Pajot tough to play against. Um, you know, we know about we know about Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. Those are guys are tough to play against. Uh, you, you start going through this this lineup of players, Bavillier, they've got guys that are difficult. They're all different. It's all different, but they're hard to play against. So when you play the New York Islanders – you're not going to get any, you're not going to, you're going to be feeling very uncomfortable in the game. And, and that's some of the biggest things I think uh, Pajot brings to the table. He's another weapon that's very difficult to play against. Well, listen, Rupper, I really appreciate all your insight and listen, congratulations to you and the Cleveland Browns. And uh, yes, yes. Thank you. Keep it I going mean, next week. Right. I know. Well, Hey, listen, we're playing with house money now, house money now. So I'm just proud to finally, as you can see on this video, wearing my Brown sweatshirt, uh, there's not too many. I, I've always worn it, but it's not too many years. I'm going to go downstairs. I'm an NHL network right now. I'm going to go strut through the, the little alleyway of people and uh, strut my stuff for a little bit, and then I'll come back up. But uh, thanks for your time, Andrew. Anytime. Uh, love catching up with you and looking yeah. forward to this season. All right. All the best to you and your family, and uh, be healthy and be safe, Rupper. All right. Thanks, thanks you too. And it's it's always great catching up with Mike Rupp. Covered him with the Rangers. Obviously, known from the media. Great guy to chat with. You know, just on the record, off the record about hockey stuff. Really knows the game inside and out. And uh, you know, so we go from Mike Rupp, and thanks again to Mike Rupp. And uh, obviously, he had a big career in New Jersey with the Devils, and uh, you know, uh, lived there for a while. So we go from one famous New Jerseyite to. Uh, one of the finest examples of the Garden State, my friend, Newsday colleague, you know him, you love him, Colin Stevenson. Colin, welcome to the welcome. NHL season. Thank you very much for that, uh, that you know, that, that unbelievable uh, you know, intro there. I, I can't believe it. Thank you so much. It's, I can't yeah. believe it. Uh, but I will, I will co-sign on your, uh, on your Mike Rupp uh, um comments a good guy i covered him i didn't cover him with the rangers but i covered him when he was at the devils and uh yeah no i'm i'm, I'm uh i'm very happy that uh he's carved him you know he's gotten into our business and uh, and he's making us all smarter for it yeah you you should have seen him he was the happiest guy in the world obviously originally from cleveland shows up wearing a big cleveland brown sweatshirt today all smiles everything's great in rupper's world so uh, yeah, you go, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So, look, the, the Rangers and Islanders start the NHL season Thursday night, and it's the first of two games and three nights between the New York rivals, both at Madison Square Garden as the NHL trying to combat the COVID-19 pandemic is limiting travel and, you know, playing more of a baseball-style schedule. What 
first of all, how, how ready do you think these teams will be uh, off a 10-day training camp with no preseason games? Uh, you know, a lot of scrimmages we're seeing in both our camps. But what, what, what kind of level of play are you expecting on Thursday night? I think it'll it'll be surprisingly good, Andrew. Uh, I think I think in, especially in in our two teams' cases, because let's face it, I mean both teams are bringing back the same teams from last year. I mean, I, I counted it up today. The Rangers they didn't announce their roster, but they they their afternoon practice roster as we speak Monday. Uh, so we're two days. What is it? Today's Monday, and 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 they play on Thursday. We're a couple of days before the first game. So the, they they have a roster essentially of 22, and of the 22, 18 uh, finished the season with the team last year. So really, the only the only newcomers they have are Alexis Lafreniere, who's the you know the number one pick overall, um, Jack Johnson, um, who they signed to replace Mark Stahl, whom they traded away, uh, and they have uh, Kevin Rooney, uh, the ex Devil. What is that? Is that three? And and one one other person whose name escapes me right now. So anyway, it's you know eighteen out of twenty two is pretty good. And your team, I know, is is uh, pretty much the same team. I don't know if you have any newcomers at all. So um, I think they'll know each other. I think they know and, and the coaches return. So I think they know the systems that they're playing. So I think they both teams should be ready to to go. You know, on on day one. Now the only the only. Um, Caveat, I'd say, with the on the Rangers end is that you know Mika Zibanejad uh, uh, revealed to us uh, on Monday that he did test positive for COVID nineteen, um, so he's obviously working his way back from that. Monday was his first day practicing with the team. The team is off on Tuesday, um, so you know whether he will be in you know one hundred percent game shape after just you know two practices remains to be seen. But uh, as far as systems go, as far as talent goes, as far as the, I think everybody's ready to go. You think the defenses will be a little bit ahead of the offense to, to start here just because the teams do know their systems? Or do you expect it to be a little bit scrambly and maybe there to be a few more goals here at the start? I have to look at that from a Rangers-centric standpoint. The Rangers defense is in transition, right? Because um, as of as of today, we have uh, uh, two new guys in the in the in their top six. One of whom is a twenty year old guy named Keandre Miller, who has literally not played a shift professionally. He didn't have a preseason game or anything. His last game that he played was in college in March. So, you know that'll be interesting. Um, and and the other new guy is a guy named Jack Johnson, who was bought out from his contract by Pittsburgh. So obviously he didn't have a great year last year. So uh, I think they have some issues there in terms of new partnerships and things like that. They also have uh, a new assistant coach in charge of defense, which they have now Jacques Martin uh, replaces Lindy Ruff, who, who took the job with the Devils. So I do think that the Rangers will have some transition issues that they're going to have to um, sort of clean up a little bit. Um, so in general, uh, would the defenses be ahead of the offense? Yes, I would say in general, but I, I'm not sure that that'll be the case with the Rangers. Now, you you had Igor Shosturkin last season come on as a rookie, and now the Islanders have Ilya Sorokin finally in uniform. Uh, and Barry Washington Trotz Samsonov. Don't forget Washington with Ilya Samsonov. So they got all these Russian guys named Igor or Ilya, and, you know, they have all the same initials. It's so funny. I just think it's hilarious. I'm sorry. 
I was going to say, Barry Trotz has already said Semyon Varlamov is, you know, has earned the right to start the first game. Do you think, I I don't know what David Quinn's plans are, you know, whether he's going to split it between Shesterkin and Alex Georgiev, but is it possible, do you think, we we see Sorokin Shesterkin maybe on Saturday night? Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, I I don't know if it's likely necessarily, but it's definitely possible. I expect that that the Rangers will start Shesterkin on Thursday. Now, uh, David Quinn on Monday, I think it was, or Sunday, the game, the days are, you know, I'm running together now. But uh, I think he said that he is definitely going to play the hot goalie, right? So he's not going to alternate. He, he can't put a number on, okay, Shesterkin is going to play 24 games or, you know, 28 games and, and Georgiev is going to play 28 games. Uh, he's going to run the hot goalie, you know, with – keeping in mind, you know, workload and things like that. Um, so it's entirely possible that if Shesterkin plays third, well, I expect Shesterkin play Thursday. And if it's entirely possible, if he plays well, um, that he could come back with him on Saturday as well. I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Now, we know, as you say, that the Islanders are going to start Varlamov, or we assume they'll start Varlamov on Thursday, unless something goes wrong between now and then. Um, and I don't know if they would come back with him again. They probably would come back with Sorokin. So, you know, I think there's a good chance that we could have the two Russians. Or, well, they're all Russians, right? <laughs> Varlamov and Sorokin and Gorgiev and Shesterkin are all Russian. Um, I think it's possible we could have Igor versus Ilya on Saturday night. But, you know, I guess it's still too early to tell. Yeah, because I'm thinking uh, the Islanders have their home opener uh... – uh, a week from today, and we're speaking on Monday. So on January 18th, on Martin Luther King Day, the Islanders will will face the Bruins uh, with a five uh, five o'clock face-off. And I, I, you know, I know with no fans in the stands, it's a lot different. But I would think Varlamov would get the home opener as well. So I'm thinking maybe there's a window there to get Sorokin in on a Saturday night uh, at the Garden, but definitely see that happening. I just don't know that, you know, I mean, we could have, you know, Shesterkin I'm sure is going to go Thursday. So, I mean, for us to have Shesterkin Sorokin Saturday would mean that Shesterkin would have gone two days in a row. So, you know, that is to be determined. Has Shesterkin talked about Sorokin at all? Uh, Obviously, you know, good friends uh, and, 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 you know, intense competitors back in the KHL, but has Shesterkin talked about Sorokin at all? Uh, we asked him about Sorokin once in, you know, in the, I think it was in the July training camp um, when, you know, shortly after Sorokin signed with the Islanders and, you know, he said really a lot of nice things about him. Now our access as, as I'm sure has been the case with you has been, you know, relatively restricted in, in this sort of this particular training camp. We're getting basically two players every day and we haven't got, a player twice. So we got Shesterkin on day two and not since. Now, you know, again, as we speak, it's Monday. Um, Rangers are off on Tuesday and and we'll get them again Wednesday. I don't know if we'll get Shesterkin on Wednesday. Um, but if we do, uh, that may be a question that would come up and see if he can talk about uh, Ilya again. But it, I get the sense that, you know, he really, uh, they are really close and they are good buddies and, you know, he's, he's happy for um, broader thoughts, 
you know, and I, I, I brought this up with Rupper also. I, I think it's common thought within the NHL that this East division, these eight teams, this is probably the hardest of the four divisions. Uh, you know, I, I know both the Islanders and the Rangers have, you know, high hopes, you know, that they've set the bar high for what they expect out of the season, but only four of these eight teams are going to make the playoffs. And they're, they're probably going to be four bitterly disappointed teams coming out of this. Even, you know, the two non-postseason teams in this division, the Sabres and the Devils, you could both say both are, are pretty improved from last season. Um, certainly the Sabres with Taylor Hall coming in. So there, there are going to be some long faces when this uh, 56 game season ends. What, what do you make of this division? What do you make of the Islanders' chances of uh, being among the top four? And you know, how much is Alexis Lafreniere uh, going to help the Rangers get into the top four in your mind? Well, so uh, there's a lot there. I think first of all, yes, I agree with Rupper and and. Uh, this is clearly the toughest division in the league, which is fine. I don't, I don't really think that's an issue. Like you look at Canada, they've got seven teams and four teams make playoffs. So four out of seven make it there. Um, and Ottawa, you know, is terrible. So like you, you can take them out of the equation right away. So it's really four out of six. Um, they got Derek Stepan. They're, 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 they're improved. <laughs> yeah, they got him a few years a little bit later than, than prime. Um, but uh, but no. So first of all, this is this is the toughest division. I think that's that's clear. Um, and you're right. There's going to be some teams that you know that don't make it that are going to think that they should have. Um, I do like the Islanders, but I'll tell you what my issue with the Islanders would be. I think that the Islanders are like the Islanders went far in the playoffs last year, and I think they're a team built for the playoffs. Now, obviously, you the, the problem with building a team that's designed to play well in the playoffs is you have to get to the playoffs. And, and I, I think that requires depth. Um, you know, you got to be able to withstand injuries. You're playing 56 games in 116 days. Injuries are going to be inevitable. There's going to be guys who come down with the virus. Um, and I don't know if the Islanders are deep enough to get to the playoffs, right? So, I mean, I still trust in them. I think Barry Trotz is an amazing coach. Like I said, they have a lot of talent, but you just never know with injuries. And are they deep enough to withstand an injury? A key? You look at what happened to them when, you know, when Sezikas goes out or when Clutterbuck goes out. I mean, it, it really turns them on their head, right? They almost, you know, if, if not for the, the pandemic, they might not have made the playoffs the way they were going. And, and it wasn't Barzal that got hurt, you know? It wasn't one of the goalies that got hurt. It was, it was guys on the fourth line. So, so that's the concern that I would have with the Islanders. But I do like them. And if they can get there, then, oh, boy, you know, they are going to be trouble. As far as the rest of the division, I think there's question marks with a lot of teams, though. Pittsburgh looks old to me. The Islanders swept them two years ago. And then, you know, last summer they, you know, they lost to Montreal, which was the lowest-seeded team uh, in the division. So, uh, yeah, yes, they have Crosby. Yes, they have Malkin. You know, but I wonder if those guys are getting a little old. I wonder if that, that you know, that supporting cast is, is a little thin. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's uh, – I wouldn't be surprised if both of our locals are, are there, are standing at the end. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it because, as, as you know, as, as a lot of people have said, and Barry Trotz said, um, it's going to be like a playoff game every night. Absolutely. You know, up that hatred and, you know, every game is a four-point game. It's – 
you know, everybody's bringing it from day one. I mean, there's not a lot of time to, to play around and experiment and stuff like that. You've got to win. So that, that I think is going to be good for the fans to see. I am all for, and Gary Bettman disagrees with me vehemently on this because he wants every team and every city to get a chance to see every player. So this will never happen. I would be all for this all the time. I love the fact that the Rangers and Islanders are playing eight times a year. I really do. I love the fact that the Islanders and Rangers are playing the, the Flyers four times a year and the Penguins. These are the teams, these are the games I want to cover. I, I, I you know, I, I keep picking on the Arizona Coyotes, but I really could care less about, you know, seeing an Islander Coyote game. I, I just don't. It doesn't get my juices flowing, but this sort of thing, you know, this is, this is hockey. This is the way I want to see it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I would expand it a little bit. I mean, I, I would maybe make it a conference thing, like, you know, almost like a baseball. Yeah. yeah. So American league thing where, where, you know, you, you have half the league you, you see, and then, and then you see the other, other, you know, the champion of the other half of the league in the, in the cup final. I, I, I could sign on for that, but yeah. I think you know, uh, you know, I might get a little tired of seeing seeing the Islanders in eight times, though. I mean, like you know, I, I want to see Colorado, man. I, I want to see uh, you know. Yeah, and, and well, I, I don't look at it that way. Yeah. I, I I want to go to Vegas. I, I want my road trip to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> hey, last last one, and uh, I, I'm going to let you go. But you know, I, I know this is an Islanders podcast, an Islanders-centric podcast, and people want to hear about the, the Islanders, but most people, uh, you know, are also interested about Long Island. And, and you have a bunch of Long Islanders in Rangers camp. Just keep, give me the update on what's going on with our local boys. Yeah, so, I mean, I, you know, I did a story with the, with the three of them. Um, uh, Anthony Batetto is a defenseman that they signed. <clears throat> He's from Island Park. And Keith Kincaid, as you, as you you know very well from your time covering that the Devils, uh, they also signed, and of course they have Adam Fox. So they have the three guys. Um, so today, Monday, uh, they put Kincaid and Detetto on waivers, um, which uh, is not unexpected at all. I mean, I think what's going to happen is those guys will clear waivers, uh, or it, you know, assuming they clear waivers, then then both of them will be on the you know the taxi squad. So they'll be around. The, the interesting thing, I think the funniest thing I got when I did the story on the three guys was talking to Adam Fox. And he was like, you know, I was like, yeah, do you guys have a Long Island click or anything? And he, he kind of said, not really. He said, you know, Anthony's Long Island Italian, which is a little different. And he talks more and, you know, and he's, he's you know, more, more uh, willing to speak up and say, you know, anything that's on his mind. And he, and he kind of was suggesting that, you know, Batetto, who's a Long Island Italian, was more bonding with uh, Tony D'Angelo, who is uh, South Jersey Italian. Um, those, you know, they're both Anthony. Actually, they're both, they're both Tony as far as NHL circles. But Batetto goes by Anthony because there's already Tony D'Angelo. So. Um, but it's, it's cool. It's kind of cool to have these three guys around. Um, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't met any of them in, pers in person other than Fox. Um, but, um, you know, Batetto and, and Kincaid, uh, I've spoken to on the phone and, and they both seem to be like really, really cool guys. I can't wait to meet them. Yeah. Obviously, as you mentioned, I know, I know Keith fairly well and Keith is chill. Keith is a different yes. kind of cat. 
Yes, yes, yes. Keith is chill. And Anthony is, you know, 100 miles an hour. He, oh, he told me a funny story. I couldn't get in, in, into, into the story that I, that I wrote. But um, so he, he would take, you know, he, he trains in, in the, the Ben Prentice uh, Training Academy up in, in Connecticut. And he would, he, <laughs> he would ride a wave runner across the Long Island Sound from Oyster Bay to Connecticut to go train, which I just thought was hilarious. You know, I just think that is really, really cool. So he's a guy who seems to enjoy life and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of personality to him. So, yeah, I, I can't wait to meet that guy in person. Yeah. Well, listen, Colin, as always, thank you so much for your contributions. And I will see you from a socially acceptable distance at the Garden on Thursday night as they uh, drop the puck on the uh, 21 NHL season and uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, man, me too. Let's do that hockey. <laughs> All right. I will talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, that would be it for episode 64, a season preview episode of the Island Ice podcast. And uh, just want to thank again, Mike Rupp of NHL Network for uh, taking the time to break down what he sees in the Islanders. And as always, uh, thank you to Colin Stevenson for being a frequent Island Ice contributor and uh, giving us his thoughts on uh, Islanders Rangers coming up in the East Division. Um, and that is it for episode 64. Please, uh, you know, for all our Islanders content, please go to newsday.com backslash sports and, uh, you know, have a read, have a listen, have a look because we got videos up there too. And until the next episode, enjoy the start of the NHL season because it's happy hockey, everybody.